Welcome to Every Quarter, the voice of Andover, Phillips Academy's official podcast where we share the compelling stories, thoughts, and ideas of our faculty, alumni, students, and distinguished campus guests. Our monthly show features candid conversations on current events, academia, and Andover's connection to important matters happening around the world. Adobe After Effects is a staple in the visual effects post-production world. It is used in large-scale Hollywood productions, network television, and even by the Office of Communication here at Andover. The software's co-founder, David Simons, is a member of Andover's class of 1986. On this episode of Every Quarter, Simons sits down with Neil Evans to discuss his career path to Adobe, the struggles of having one of the first personal computers at Andover, and his advice for aspiring coders. Simons' new project, Adobe Character Animator combines elements of After Effects with live-action puppetry technology and has been featured recently on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert and on a live episode of The Simpsons. Tell me what Andover was like back in the mid-'80s when you were here. Andover had its own power, and I don't know the economics of it, but it would only run on Andover power half the day, and half the day would run on town power. And at the switchover, the power would go down for one, two seconds. And that was fine for most people, but I was one of the only people who had a computer. Hmm. And so if I was working on an English paper, you know, boop, me, and it would it would reboot, and I'd lose the stuff I was working on. And so th- this was something that they didn't, there weren't enough people with computers that it mattered. So I had to get a battery, an uninterruptible power supply for the computer, so it was an Apple II, um, so I could work on my English papers and not keep losing all my work did you know what time it is every day no that was the, it was <laughs> random it was it was a it was like within an hour sure. kind of a, and yeah i don't know how they decided when to do it so it was very annoying um, <laughs> so talk to me about sort of that evolution of the computer you know how did that sort of change things as a student here um well it wasn't computers weren't really in the curriculum yeah. at all and the um well I, I took an animation class with Mr. McMurray that was sort of kind of set me on my career. I've been doing yeah. animation ever since. I mean, it's software. But, um, and halfway through that trimester, I switched to doing animation on the computer. And so as, as like a special study thing, just because I had a computer at home, I mean, in, in my dorm, and I could, um, the computer, it was, they were not fast enough to do real animation at that time. So I had a Super 8 camera and aimed it at the screen and could do stop motion, basically program the computer to draw out a frame and then take one, fr- one shutter with a Super 8, one, you know, one shutter release with a Super 8 camera to do one, one film frame and then hit the space bar on the computer. It would draw the next frame. And it would take, you know, five or ten seconds to draw the frame and then push the button on the camera, r- repeat, repeat. And so at the end had a Super 8 animation that was could run playback in real time playing in the in the once I got it developed and play in, in the projector other people were doing similar things but they were drawing it or yeah. you know so it was, it was I was just switch I switched the process over to the computer nice. and uh, that was that was interesting and I, it really got me going on the power of computer to do animation was it still sort of a novelty Mm-hmm, uh, totally. Like, yeah. all your friends want to come over and play with it. Yeah, or? so my room was because you had computer games stuff so my room was kind of like a social game yeah. Central, um, Pong, and or what that was, was... Uh, God, I don't remember. I think 
I think Wizardry might have been one. It was like a Dungeons and Dragons sure. kind of thing. And yeah, there were the, there were Pong type games. Um, I think Choplifter maybe. There was a, there was um that was a chopper like a helicopter rescue game. There's a f- few, but yeah, I had I had um, some friends who would reliably come over to Definitely. to hang out and, cool. and play games. So that that was it was a fun social time. Sure. So you switch over to computer animation that sort of sets a spark and then so sort of because the curriculum maybe isn't up to the speed where you want to take it how do, how do you progress from there I didn't even think of it as like it wasn't like oh I wish Andrew had, Andover had more computer classes yeah. even when I went to Brown I, I didn't even I was planning to I figured I'd go into like structural engineering or something I had taught myself how to program just by reading the manuals it came very easily to me hmm. and I didn't feel like I needed to take classes I could just read a book and do yeah. it and and I actually, um, uh, I can't remember, I think it might have been 10th grade or 11th grade, I wrote a game and, and sold it to a publisher, and they, they published it, hmm. um, called uh, Fusillade. And a, a few, last year, someone was asking me about it, and I realized, wait, I could Google it and see. And I did. And there are people, like there's this like retro, people who run retro software, yeah. and they had Fusillade up and running, and they, and they actually showed an unboxing video so this is something that they shot maybe like three, four years ago yeah. um, of this game that was only produced in 1980, uh, I guess it was 85. Um, and they had a, a shrink wrap box that they had gotten on eBay. And they did an unboxing video, opening shrink wrap, showing all the stuff and the, like the manual and the, the game and, and then put it in. They have an old, sure. um, that, actually that was, a, that was a Mac game. That was my first Mac. And... Um, yeah, wait, so what was your question? I just lost my, my track of how... <laughs> no, that's cool. Just, like, developing games and how do you progress Oh, oh, oh about, about the curriculum. Like, yeah. yeah, so there was... So I was all self-taught, and I didn't feel constrained, and, and so that's why I wasn't even thinking about going into computers. So I felt like, well, I already know computers. I can do, do something else. Yeah. And I didn't, like, notice any lack of computer instruction at Andover. It was just, like, that it was normal. Like, computers weren't something that was taught. They just, yeah. And, uh, and then... I got to Brown, and I was like, oh, there's this whole computer science department. And so I was like, well, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll take a class and just see. And it opened me up to this whole world of, wow, okay, I really know nothing. There's, there's a ton of stuff to learn that I didn't get just by reading. Yes, I know how to program, but there's a whole science to it and a lot more to learn. So I switched and became a, a, a CS major. Do you feel like you were, like, on the, the verge of, like, the breakthrough of sort of digital you know, computing and programming when, uh, you know, you're at Brown and then you go into the early 90s with your startup? Yeah, I mean, the the by the time I graduated from college, it was not, you know, Microsoft was kind of a household name yep. by then. And uh, I had a job offer from Microsoft and had to choose between Microsoft and a startup. And that was, that, you know, I... Well, I'm where I am today because I made that decision. Who knows what would have happened if yeah. I'd chosen the Microsoft path. But um, by going the startup path, I got to work with my friends, which was really fun. And I didn't really think anything would come of it. But now it's now 27 years later, and uh, I'm actually still working with some of those friends <laughs> um, on the same software. So, cool. yeah, I certainly yes. did not expect that. I mean, that, you know, software is so ephemeral yeah. that it's kind of amazing that still the stuff we did then for the early days of After Effects is are still still being used. So talk to me a little bit about those early days, you know, having a startup, 
the struggles, sort of the highs and lows, <coughs> and ultimately, you know, where that may have led you? It was, um, I mean, there were struggles, especially with we weren't earning money for a long time, and the founders didn't get paid for three years. And we were working 100-hour weeks, but it was fun the whole time. Like, it's not, it wasn't like it was a hardship. I was working 100 hours because I loved doing it, and we were getting stuff done and doing things for our customers. And, yeah, so it was very rewarding and hard work. I wouldn't recommend it for someone with a family because, <laughs> you know, it was, it was basically to the exclusion of, it, of everything else. Um, but at that time, that was fine for me, and mm-hmm. it was uh, a wild ride. And we, what we set out to do originally, we completely failed at. It was um, we were trying to be a hypermedia publisher, which in 1990 meant, you know, this is before the web, so it was... Um, Delivering, we wanted to deliver a magazine on CD-ROM, so you could have text, hyperlinked text with images and animations and sound, um, which today would basically just be a web page. And there wasn't much competition, but there also that no one really knew what it was or cared. And so we we tried to develop the content and the tools in parallel. And after a while, it became clear that no one cared about our content. Like this is we're a bunch of nobody's, mm. you know, there's there no. We had no journalists. We were all just straight out of brown. And um, so even though no one cared about our content, they started hearing about the tools we had made for ourselves. And we started selling those things. And that was the lifeline that kept us alive. And then um, the well, – and one of the, the main tool that we created that was popular was a digital video. Well, it wasn't really video when we started, but it was animation streaming software to do synchronized sound with animation streaming off of CD-ROM cross-platform. And um, that was starting to sell well when Apple came out with QuickTime. And so that was going to, we were worried we were going to get crushed by Apple. Mm. And so we had to decide what we were going to do. And um, we had a big meeting with lots of possibilities. In the end, we chose uh, a digital video processing app. So rather than delivering digital video, um, and at that point it was video. Like when we started, it was for animation. And digital video was just starting to appear on the desktop by the time we were done with that. And um, so then I thought, okay, rather than delivering it, writing a tool that delivers it, let's write a tool that processes it, lets you create it. And that, that's what became After Effects eventually. So talk to me a little bit about that initial failure. You know, you have to, you know, you're doing something. You're, at what point do you give up or pivot or see what the writing on the wall is like, this isn't working, but that is... Talk to me about that process. Yeah, well, we, we spent a fair amount of time trying to get investors to invest in the company, and we never really succeeded, and I always regretted spending that time. I feel like we were just better off working on creating stuff rather than convincing someone else that we could create stuff, and we would have been better off to, to just focus on that because in the end no one did fund us. We had a few friends and family investments. My, my parents you know, paid my food and rent while I was doing this. That's how I could afford to not have a salary. Um, and they also invested some in the company. So we had friends and family investors. That was it. We never got any real investors. Um, so, yeah. I, the nice thing about the software is if you have enough saved up that you can pay your food and rent you don't need a huge capital investment to write software, right? You just need a laptop. And 
you can create amazing things if you put your mind to it. So I, th I think that's a great freedom. And if you do convince someone to invest in you, you're now beholden to them, which is going to influence what you do. And I think you're better off just follow your dream of what you think you could create and do it. Like if you know how to code, you can, you know, world's your oyster. So at what point does Adobe come into the picture? So we, after we created After Effects, um, sort of coming out of that threat from Apple coming out with QuickTime, um, uh, we we had previously went, we had previously gone to Aldous and Adobe to try to get them to fund us, and they didn't. So we did it ourselves. Um, once After Effects 1.0 came out and was successful, then they were interested, and Aldous was much more interested than Adobe, and so we ended up selling the company to Aldous. Um, part of that agreement was we would all move from Providence to Seattle, which we did a year later. And then right after we landed in Seattle, Adobe and Aldous merged. So we ended up Adobe anyway. And we thought we were then going to have to move to San Jose, which is the Adobe headquarters, but they kept the Seattle office, and I'm still there today. Um, so that, that's how we ended up at Adobe. And by being at Adobe, we got access to the Photoshop source code, which was really good for integrating. You know, After Effects and Photoshop are now very tightly integrated, and that was made possible by being part of Adobe. So that was, a, I think, a pretty useful merger for us. Definitely. So what's kept you there, then, for 27 years? Good question. Well, 96, I took a year off to travel around the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I was planning on just quitting, basically. I thought, okay, well, it's been a good ride time for something new. Um, I mean, I, I still liked what I was doing, but I felt like I was saying no a lot to people at Adobe who wanted to like, do this or that, like get Afrex to do things that I didn't really want to do, and I was saying no, and I felt like I wanted to give somebody else a chance to do some stuff with Afrex. So I left, traveled around the world with my girlfriend at the time, now wife, and, um, but my, my boss, well actually the reason Really, the reason I was leaving was I didn't like, when the Adobe merger happened, I didn't like my new boss. And um, he, he was a new manager, didn't really know what he was doing, and I was just like, okay, I don't need to deal with this. And, um, and also the, the, the saying no all the time. So those two things, that's why I decided I wanted to leave. He convinced me, by the time, so I then made this round the world trip, but it takes a long time. This was before the web was used for travel, you know, extensively. So, you know, I had to have a travel agent, and there was a lot of, it, it took many months to plan this whole trip. By the time the trip was all planned and I was ready to tell him, I actually liked him. And he had, I don't know if he had grown as a manager or I had just changed, whatever, I actually really liked him. And so I no longer had that reason to leave. And he said, oh, well, don't, don't quit. Just take a leave of absence and come back when you're done. It's like, Okay. So I went off, traveled, and came back. Ended up moving to Boston and working remotely from Boston for a couple of years. And, um, and then my wife, we got married, and my wife got her medical residency um, in Seattle. So I moved back to Seattle, went back to the team, and, and started managing the team again. And so that's that kind of, there was this moment when I almost split off and went another way. Um, but I stayed, and that was kind of valuable for me, I think, to see what it was like to be away, and I did miss the people and the stuff we were doing, and it was fun to get back and, and do it again. And um, really, it's that's still true. I, I love the people I'm working with. I love the product. 
I love the customers. And I'm now working on Adobe Character Animator, but it's very similar to After Effects, and I still sit with the After Effects team. And uh, so it's, it's a, I haven't really gone that far. So in some ways, I've had one job for 27 years sure. for three different companies. And what's changed the whole time are the challenges, the technical challenges, because, of course, it's software. Once you've done something, you've done it. And now you've got to do something, what's left. And the things that are left generally get harder and harder because you do the easy things first. So the job is sort of self-balancing in a, in a way that keeps it challenging continuously. And so I think that's, that's what's kept my interest, and it's, it remains to this day. So talk to me a little bit about that problem-solving element of a coder or of a developer. Uh, you mentioned sort of having to deal with evolutions of products and uh, teams and companies, but at the heart of it, you know, you want to solve a problem, you want to get better. How do you sort of approach a problem, or then how do you work to solve it? So everything, it is problem solving all day. I mean, that's what we're doing. That's what makes the job interesting. And one thing that I feel very strongly about is that we can't solve problems well unless we understand the people, the customers that we are solving them for. And so I require everyone on my team to visit customers. We go on customer visits every cycle and so that everyone can understand how, as they're solving problems and making decisions, those decisions affect the customer. And since we make so many decisions every day, it's if you make sure every single one of those decisions goes in favor of the customer, you end up creating a, a tool that people love. I mean, you, you still need to val- validate that and do user testing and all that. But it, but it really, if, if everyone has the customer on the brain when they're making those decisions, it's a much, you end up with a much better product. And, yeah, and it's satisfying just yeah. making other people, get, giving, we build tools for other people to do creative things. And I appreciate creativity, but I don't have the sort of artistic creativity that I see in other people, but I'm helping them release their creativity and that for me is very satisfying because I don't I don't have it myself but I'm just enabling it well, I was gonna people. say like you started off with the, the super 8 you know starting off in animation maybe going to that uh, digital publishing with the CD-ROM all, all along was did you have greater aspirations to become the creative uh, sort of producer or do you always sort of want to be that back-end facilitator uh, I don't think I don't really remember having any aspirations. Like it was, it's almost like I've just taken life as it comes, sure. and I saw the opportunity to do something and work with my friends. And so I, I think I've been pretty heads down on like concentrating on the problems right in front of me, and I've just been very lucky that the the entire journey has worked out. But I never, certainly never planned it. Like I didn't expect this ever to work out this way, and it was never that. And I've only realized in retrospect that it's enabling artists to do these things that really is satisfying for me. It wasn't something that, that I knew that I wanted to do, and so I did it. It's just looking back on it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's why I'm still doing it, and that's why it's still fun. So have you ever seen, I'm sure this is you know, definitely, but what's one thing that sort of stands out of someone using After Effects and be like, huh, they, I, I'm, I created that program, or is it sort of like still... It's more. I, at this point. No, it's more. I'll see someone do something like, "Oh my God, they created that with sure. with our tool." Like it's it's. Um, Any specific examples? 
Uh, well, there's so many. They've just kind of it's that's become so common that I can't even think <laughs> of ones don't stick out. But the so with character animator, it was The Simpsons. Like you know, we we knew we were creating a live character animation system, and we wanted it to be used for live characters. We didn't expect The Simpsons to be calling so soon, hmm. and so that was really amazing. And I you know got to be in the booth when they we did the live broadcast. It was it was a episode of, about improvisation, hmm. and Homer is improvising. Uh, well, Homer joins a um, a comedy troupe that does improv. But then the last three minutes are actually improvised live by Dan Castaneda, the, the voice of Homer. And so I was there in, in the audio booth, uh, the, the production room um, at Fox in L.A. when they were doing the, the broadcast for the East Coast and then again for the West Coast. And it was, yeah, that was that was a highlight. So what's it like when, like, macaroni calls and, like, we want to do this? And you're like, uh, okay. Yeah, it was, <laughs> that was like, I can't believe this is happening. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. So I imagine that things like that keep you going. You know, what uh, what do you hope next for character animator or After Effects? Uh, well, f- so par- part of the goal, character an- animator was a bet that if character animation were easier for more people, more people would do it and interesting things would happen. And we didn't really know what would happen, but so The Simpsons was, was one thing, but also... Um, like on The Late Show with Colbert, the cartoon Donald Trump, and the when he talks to God on the ceiling. Yep. Those are those are character cool. animator live. We didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and the the cartoon Trump character has his own Twitter account. Oh yeah. And he tweets, and the the folks at the Late Show did this amazing mashup of. Um, so they have, they, they took cartoon Trump and, and like drew him sitting on a couch with bunny slippers on watching TV. The TV shows a live stream. This is during Obama's farewell address. So the cartoon is watching the live video of Obama. He's got a phone. The cartoon has a cartoon phone in his hand. He's tweeting. When he tweets as a cartoon, it actually hits his real Twitter feed. The cartoon Donald Trump Twitter feed, which is inset in the corner in the, in the frame, and then that entire thing was broadcast live on Facebook. So you could watch Obama's farewell address over cartoon Donald Trump's shoulder, watch when he tweets, and then see the tweets come up in his Twitter feed. The whole thing you're watching it on Facebook Live. Now, none of these things existed when we started the program, right? So we couldn't have predicted that was going to happen. Um, or that would have a president that was tweeting. <laughs> um, but that's what I love, is, is, is enabling new things that I can't predict. And, you know, it's the creative people out there that are, that are really putting the tools together in new ways. And, and so, yeah, that's, I'm looking forward to how that, and that's been happening other, so people have started game streaming on Twitch mm-hmm. with, instead of their video of their head in the corner, they have a, um, a 2D cartoon avatar in the corner that's representing them while they play. Are you familiar with yeah, Twitch? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and there are some very imaginative people cool. doing that. So, again, I didn't even know anything about game streaming when yeah. we started this or that there was this need. So, yeah, so I'm just excited as more and more new ways of communicating are, are born. 
so as you come back, you're doing a couple class visits today. So what do you hope to sort of impart to some of these students who are thinking about computer science, you know, wanting to learn more about code or <coughs> just, you know, maybe have an inkling that this is something that they might want to get into down in the future? Yeah. Well, I would say if they're into computer science or even if they're not, knowing how to program a computer is very freeing. Like it, it opens up so many avenues and almost any field that you might, maybe if computers aren't your main field, no matter what field you're also interested in or mainly interested in, I would think computers could open up new opportunities for you because the computer is just a tool and it's so flexible, it can really do anything. And so, yeah, I would rec certainly recommend to anyone in this day and age or any time over the last 25 years, computers are a tool that can open up new new things for you and, and I, I highly recommend it. So, And if, you, if you're into computer science, all the better. You can really go deeply. But the nice thing about computers with open source software, you know, you need to know less and less to, and you can still do quite deep things. But you, you have to know enough of how to put these things together. And um, It's like building blocks. Yeah. You know, go step at a time and yeah. who knows what you can build. Yeah. Well, David, thanks for joining us. This has been great. Sure. Thanks for having me. Every Quarter is produced by the Office of Communication at Phillips Academy in Andover and made possible by a grant from the Abbott Academy Fund, continuing Abbott's tradition of boldness, innovation, and caring. Like what you've heard? Spread the word. Share EQ with friends and connect with us using the hashtag EveryQuarterPodcast. You can also find us at podcast.andover.edu. Thanks for listening. I'm Jesse Wallner. Mm -hmm.